You're listening to the Gridiron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 31 of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with lead man in charge, at Chop Top, Brian Fox Jr., and the man who covers the Gators for us every week, Jake Hitt. And we're going to cover a position today on this episode that will seek a lot of attention this year, and that is running back. And there are five major names in this category. Obviously, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard, and the newest addition of five-star to Marcus Bowman. So now Florida has an elite stable of running backs with the addition to Marcus Bowman, and so it will add a bunch of competition to the running back group, and it will make spring practice in 2021 here really, really interesting. So uh, let's start with Damian Pierce, man. Uh, now that's a running back that has shown flashes every early on in his career as a backup running back who can hit the hole pretty quick with a very low center of gravity and a strong legs. I believe he squats over 600 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. But as a freshman, you saw he had the ability to take it to the house from a long distance. Now some will say that it was due to garbage time and the defense is being worn out and some fresh legs in the game. And that could be true, but we saw where that he can burst. He could hit the hole pretty quick. And uh, if he does, you know, doesn't have to change direction too much. Uh, changing direction takes some time for him, but he is one of those bigger backs. Not really good acceleration off the point, but not one of the speedier running backs like the Lorenzo Lingards or any of those running backs. But uh, last year he led the team... In rushing yards at 503 yards, averaging 4.75 yards per rush under a heavy passing offense that relied more on the passing game and more than the running game. He also showed flashes of improving as a pass catcher in the passing game, and he has had the most starting time out of the three running backs. So, Brian, Jake, your thoughts on Damian Pierce and where you think he could be in the starting lineup? Yeah, Dave, Damian Pierce is one of those guys, when you saw him as a freshman, you couldn't help but enjoy watching him because it seemed like every time he got the ball, he could take it to the house. And it was something that was missing from some of those other pieces uh, in the backfield at the time. Uh, As far as where he fits right now, right now, I think he's the starter. I think uh, earlier at today's press conference, he was talking to the media and he sounded really confident with his role. And uh, yeah, I I think that right now you would pencil him as a starter. I don't know that it'll be that way come, uh, fall practice, but I think that's where we're at, uh, at least heading into spring camp right now. Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, with, I agree with Brian. It, he's the day one starter, like, coming out of it, and he's really made an attempt. He's talked about it. He doesn't want to admit how old he is, but he said that he wants – he's taking more of a leadership role and getting guys comfortable – and I personally love Damian Pierce because he is a really north and south running back, like you mentioned. Like he just he hits the hole so aggressively that from other guys will try to find a way around it or bounce around, and that can really wear on defenses. And sometimes that's why he was able to burst out, like you said, because guys had you know uh, tired legs or anything like that. Like you get really tired having to run around and cover these other other running backs and then have to hit this steamroller that's coming at you to get a first down. So I would expect Damian Pierce to starting out, have a really good role and to stay 
very involved in this offense because they've run multiple running back sets before. Yeah, he's the uh, most experienced out of this group uh, uh, after, obviously, the departure of Michael P. Ryan. Um, you know, he he really had to step up, and he, he stepped up. Uh, he had a decent amount of rushing yards for what kind of offense that Florida was trying to run this year. Uh, I, I can't sit here and knock Damian Pierce for only having 503 rushing yards because Florida primarily passed the ball. Uh, I mean, when you're passing the ball at, at that kind of a rate, as Kyle Trask was, you don't want to go away from it. And if teams can't defend it, I don't blame you for keeping keep doing that as well. And uh, obviously, it was a free year of eligibility for all of these players. And that probably led Dan Mullen to, to, to stick with the passing game. Uh, a lot of coaches will, you know, try to mix it up and give their running backs a chance to get those extra five yards or those extra three or maybe even take it to the house on a 30-yard run. But now, with the extra year of eligibility, you don't have to worry about the running back being, you know, too antsy about wanting to, to, to get carries when he knows he's got a free year anyway. So you, you kind of, you know, you don't want to take away what Damian Pierce has done as running back. Uh, you know, 503 yards, averaging 4.75, not too bad considering the offensive line and the woes that they were having as well. I think that's pretty decent anyway. Uh, I mean, what do you take, Brian? Yeah, well, I mean, number one, I think that he's uh, Damian Pierce is a guy who's been consistent since day one uh, when he stepped on campus. And for a running back, that's that's a tough sell. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, But like you said, it's going to be a totally different offense. That's one thing that's going to make this running back position so important and so much fun to watch is because we're going to see a running game like we have not seen under Dan Mullen and we sure didn't see under previous coaches. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Emory Jones running it as well. And that's, I think, an element that has to be brought when you talk about this position group because Emory's going to take off with it a lot, and it's going to open up running lanes for these running backs. I would argue to say that you've already seen this kind of offense from Dan Mullen because they ran you know, multiple running backs and – quarterback in 2018 with Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks had 100 rushing attempts, almost 1,000 yards rushing. So I think fans will see the more traditional style of Dan Mullen's offense because he's never had, I think, besides Kyle Trask, he's barely ever had a quarterback who doesn't carry the ball a significant amount in his offense. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of two running back sets, and you're actually going to see probably a lot of two tight end sets as well back there uh, with this uh, new offense that's going to be brought to the table. And uh, yeah, with with Emory Jones there as a running threat too, that really does open up a lot of lanes for those running backs because uh, a lot of defenses will be guessing where the run is going to come from. Or even if it's going to be a pass play, you never know. It could be that fake RPO run pass. You just There's so many options that you have with a running quarterback in that type of an offense. And it's going to give these running backs here and, and, and running backs like Damian Pierce, you know, more, more attempts to, to, to run and, and bring obviously that average up and the rushing yards up. And that's what, you know, I, I personally think Damian Pierce gets the starting nod due to just the experience of being a starter for one year after LaMichael P. Ryan's departure from the team and having to share snaps with the next guy that we're going to talk about. And that is Malik Davis. Now Malik Davis has shared many snaps with many running backs in his past, going back to the Jim McElwain peanut butter and jelly days, uh, where he flashed his speed and some of his power as a running back, uh, as a little guy, he did, he did, he did take some hits and was, was still balanced, still kept the run going. 
Uh, but he also shared his fair share of injuries, hindering him from playing in a starting role as well. And uh, he's known to be very as as a very durable weapon in the slot and in the backfield. And, and that well, I mentioned just now, you know, Damian Pierce. He, he Damian Pierce isn't that slot guy that you're not going to feed it to him into the slot. You're going to rely more on a uh, you know a little bit longer, more speedier back or a little or a speedier tight end somewhere in the slot there. And uh, Malik Davis has shown that he can he can catch the ball. Uh, he has shown to be a very durable weapon in the slot. And, uh, you know, his lack of size does hurt when trying to get in between the tackles and get those two to three yard chunks. But uh, also has shown that he's had a case of butterfingers too as he's had some key fumbles in some games, and most notably the A&M game, which did ultimately cost Florida the game. Uh, a lot of people, including me, think that he could eventually be a slot receiver for this team as well. Uh, I don't know if he's going to share carries or be more of a pass catcher. Uh, didn't really boast crazy numbers last year, rushing 310 yards on 66 attempts, good for 4.7, right around where Damian Pierce was. So not really any kind of separation between Damian Pierce and Malik Davis in that rushing game, uh, but did have more reception yards at 377 and 31 for 31 receptions as well. So proven to be a weapon in the backfield in a prolific passing offense, averaging 12.2 yards per reception, which is very good, actually. It's not terrible at all. Uh, so Davis has shown his ability in the backfield more than than anybody in uh, carrying the ball on the ground. Uh, Brian and Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, Malik Davis gives you one of those. He's one of those guys who gives you something that nobody else really does or nobody else has proven to do on the collegiate level, and that's catch the ball consistently out of the backfield. Um we saw how much of a role he played in that Georgia game with those real routes. Uh, he almost single-handedly beat Georgia offensively in that game with those routes. Um, but I think what, what this gives Florida and Dan Mullen the opportunity to do is you can have a two backs in the backfield and the defense is going to be so confused as to what they're trying to do, whether it's going to be a swing out pass, whether it's going to be one of those wheel routes, or if it's just going to be a handout, it's going to spread out the defense even, even more and give Dan Mullen more, more opportunity and more options to play with. Uh, Malik, Malik Davis is a solid running back. Uh, when he holds onto the ball, obviously you mentioned that he's had issues with that in the past, but I like Malik Davis. And I think you might be right that, uh, we by the end of the season next year may see him working out of the slot as a slot wide receiver. Um, but a guy who has that versatility to come across and maybe do those jet sweeps and other type of plays like that. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I see from Malik Davis. Malik Davis is, I think he will make plenty of money as a third down running back because of his ability to catch the ball. And I think because we think of him as a receiver so much, you forget how good he is at running with the football. And he just, like you said, Brian, brings an added element that only one other guy in Naquan Wright really provides to the offense. And I think you only are seeing what, just a little bit of what Malik Davis is really capable of. Right, and we've seen NFL running backs have successful long careers. Guys like Darren Sproles, who maybe is a fringe Hall of Famer, who was in that exact role where, you know, he's that split-out guy that you go to. He's that dangerous guy in in the passing game. Antonio but, Brown. Right, but yeah, and then if you need to, if you need a couple of tough yards, he's also able to get it. And if he can prove to be that guy, that's a guy who has an NFL future. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people, like, 
you just said we'll we'll refer to Malik Davis as more of a pass catcher, more of a slot guy, but uh, at times when he has had the ball, you've seen the speed and you've seen him burst for ten to twenty yards on some plays. And you know, if we had a little bit better of an offensive line, you get those little you get those little gaps open. He's good to get in between those gaps and get a huge chunk of gains where you would get five or six yards. Now you're maybe getting ten to twenty. Or probably even taking it to the house, and and, and you know I I know that there's injuries there. I know he was uh, when he was playing at Jim McElwain when they would put him in in a uh, backup role. He did really well. He showed he showed the most flashes out of that whole running back stable at that time. So I, I obviously the injuries hindered Malik Davis. I think Malik Davis has a huge upside. I think that you know he's obviously going to have to prove it in spring practice. I mean you're you're up against a uh, five a four or five star Lorenzo Lingard. And a new five-star that's just came on campus at DeMarcus Bowman. And, uh, you know, you're obviously up against the next running back that we're going to talk about. And that is Naquan Wright. And he is also flashed abilities of just about doing everything right last year. Uh, holding on to the football. Catching the football out of the backfield. And uh, even rushing yards. He's uh, been pretty decent. Didn't get a lot of carries. He's only had 54 attempts. Uh, through, for one year, 54 attempts is nothing. That's what maybe in, in some some kind of offenses, that's probably even one game, you know, and some kind of running offenses here. But uh, did do very well receiving the ball. Had 19 receptions, 219 yards, averaging 11.5. So he even proved himself to be quite a good receiver as well. And an all-around back, and if we, you can look on paper and see 54 attempts, 213 yards, 3.9 yards, but the eye test is different. We saw something that we haven't seen in a running back from Naquan Wright so far, and that's being able to do it all and being able to do it good. And uh, we saw some shiftiness from Naquan Wright, too. Uh, you know, he's got some hips on him, too, not Kadarius Tony hips. I don't think anybody does have Kadarius Tony hips or ever will for a long time. But you've seen some kind of cut ability, some, you know, evading tacklers. And, uh, you know, he's made plays in this backfield, and Naquan Wright is probably one of the more fan favorite running backs that's sitting under the weather now and I see a lot of people on social media Twitter talk about Daquan Wright and how they want to see him more in this offense and I think he brings something different to the table I think he brings something more consistent and you know I have never seen a negative play from Daquan Wright that that I've seen like that I've remembered in my mind as a fan if if, if I would have to remember a play that went bad for this team for the running backs, I couldn't remember one play that Naquan Wright made bad for this team. So I think he brings something else consistency, consistent-wise to the table, and I think he's really going to uh, you know, push these running backs to be better in spring practice. Yeah, Naquan, I, like you said, you you haven't seen anything bad from him. He doesn't have a whole lot of bad tape. Uh, he's a guy that can make the blocks when he need to uh, to protect the quarterback, but he's also a guy who just seemed to show up and and you you never really noticed him until he got the ball, which is a, one of the best things you can say about somebody who who is in pass protection. Um, the guy was solid. He kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody expected him. And then his shiftiness, we started to see, and in several games, he got more carries than uh, than Malik Davis. And there was at least a game or two where he got more carries than Damian Pierce. So obviously Dan Mullen has a lot of trust in him. And that's going to be important, especially as we start to talk about the fourth and fifth guy on this depth chart. Naquan Wright's a name to watch for because 
he's one of those guys that if you don't think he gets enough touches, he might be one of those guys that could say, Hey, you know what? I need to go somewhere where I can get a starting job. And because he's, he's a guy who deserves it. He has shown and he's put in the effort that, that he can be a number one guy. So as long as, as he can buy into what Dan Mullen's selling and, and we start to see more and more of these guys get into the NFL and get drafted and whatnot, it's going to make a huge difference moving forward. The The transfer portal is going to be game changing for a lot of this. Um, and if Naquan Wright's willing to stay the course and, and play that secondary role, he can still get to the show. But I, I mean, with this backfield, it's going to be difficult for him. Uh, even, even with him showing us such versatility and, and so, so much good tape, there's just so much competition at this position that, I mean, I'd be surprised if we're here talking about him in a year or two. And Naquan Wright is my dude. I remember when people were going out, when people were freaking out that, you know, Florida should go after and get, and then didn't get DeMarcus Bowman. And they said, you guys just forget Naquan Wright's like not a bad running back. And he showed it this year. And I'm so glad he had his coming out party because if anything, He's more like Darren Sproles than Malik Davis is, Brian, just because he's got the comp in the size. Now, Darren Sproles is probably way shorter than him, but I think it shows that, you know, no matter what your size is, if you can do things well and you have a good work ethic and just have positive plays on the field, it can really benefit you as a football player. And, yeah, Brian, you, got, you give me anxiety now thinking that Florida is not going to hold on to Naquan Wright because I love that guy, and I can only see him getting better from here. Yeah, we were actually talking before the podcast, uh, Jake, that Naquan Wright, when Miami Carroll had played Lakeland his senior year, he went off on him, man. Uh, he had a really good game. Uh, well, so did Bowman, obviously, but, um, you know, Naquan Wright is probably – I'm not going to say he's under-talked because a lot of fans talk about him, but I think he's one of those guys that you don't think is going to break out. Like, I, I, I don't know how to put this, so I guess I would say you don't think that he's going to be that breakout running back this year because you got so many running backs in the stable, but you've seen so many good plays from him. You've seen so much consistency from him. You've seen how versatile he is. You've seen his speed. You've seen his elusiveness. You've seen a lot of that, and I think what's going to challenge this running back room is is being that all-around, all-purpose back, and that's what Naquan Wright looks like he could be, especially here in the future. So, I mean, yeah, that's going to be interesting there just between those three running backs. Who's, you know, obviously Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, and Naquan Wright are all three starters with the most experience out of all the five running backs, but... It's going to bring something new to the table. And I think Naquan Wright has a good, you know, I guess, argument to be one of the starters as starting running back. And uh, that will be an interesting thing going into spring practice to see how Naquan Wright does just in practice and uh, what he's going to do on the football field this year, especially in a, you know, high-running, prolific offense. And, um, you know, speaking of high-running, prolific offenses, if we know anything about Dan Mullen's past offenses with – Urban Meyer and, uh, you know, back there with the RPO with Tim Tebow and all that, they they, they loved their speed. Uh, Jeff Demps and uh, Chris Rainey, those were the speedier, more fast running backs in that offense that really were, were big threats in the uh, running game and took a lot of touchdowns to the house, even in the, uh, the, the kick returning game, too. 
And uh, speaking of speed, next we're going to go to Lorenzo Lingard, a, uh, a former five-star prospect. Uh, was committed to Miami there, uh, committed to uh, University of Miami, did get hurt toward, I believe, an ACL or got an injury there, and uh, decided he wanted to transfer. He didn't, you know, he wanted to uh, recover from his injury. He um, actually, when he had transferred, he said he wanted to give time to recover from his injury before he even got back on the field. And uh, this is a guy that was running uh, a sub-4-3 out of out of high school, a, a very, very fast running back, a uh, 200, you know, 200-pound running back, a six-foot running at 4-3 speed and, uh, you know, has recovered from injury, hasn't gotten quite up there on the death chart because of that injury and because of, you know, things of that nature. And now, you know, going into this year, he's, you know, he's even said, he's even posted on Twitter about how he's going to, uh, he'd play any position if they let him, like defense, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen in this offense. I think you're going to see more of uh, Lorenzo Lingard this year too. And, um, you know, if you look at the Oklahoma game, we all know how many people were missing that game. So Lorenzo Lingard just got a few carries that game, Uh, but uh, he did have a pretty good carry. I think he only had like one carry, but uh, it was a 13-yard carry, and you could see the speed that he had had. And uh, it took a a minute for uh, one of the defenders for Oklahoma to tackle him. So, I mean, he did flash that speed. It doesn't look like he's lost a step in his speed even after the injury. Looks like he's recovered very well, but uh, Lorenzo Lingard, man, a uh, former five-star prospect, man, looks like he's going to be a uh, threat there in the running game. What do you think, Brian? Dave, Lorenzo Lingard's a uh, interesting case study because he went to Miami, left Miami, comes to Florida, as, as everybody knows, and he comes to Florida, and all of a sudden, everybody's excited. Oh, we got our five-star guy, our five-star guy in the running game. It's, a, you know, life's going to be sweet. In less than, what, 11 months, I think it was 10 months or so, Florida lands another five-star transfer out of the, you know, out of the transfer portal for the running back position in DeMarcus Bowman. What I would like to know is if we could have gone back 11 months and say, hey, Lorenzo, if we land DeMarcus Bowman out of the transfer portal in 10 months, are you still going to be happy? Because these are two guys that in, in – almost any system on earth they they they're not they're not complementary pieces so to speak they're both flashy quick guys um and they both hit the hole quick and then and then run uh lingard's a a, a fascinating specimen because he's so quick he's so shifty he's so dynamic i expect to see him a lot of him on the punt return and the kick return next year um and you might even get to see depending on you know what what his catch radius is like and if, if he can hold on to the ball you might even see him in a little bit of a slot role if needed because of his speed uh, just to try to get all of these guys onto the field and keep them happy. But yeah, what an interesting dynamic that proved to be because like I said, I mean, you, you know, as a Gator fan, we were all overjoyed at, Oh man, we got this five-star guy. We got him from Miami and that's always a win. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, just a few months later, we landed another five-star running back and, you know, now we're sitting here talking about five different guys and how are they going to, you know, share the ball? How are you going to keep everybody happy? Uh, like you said, Lingard, he's a quick guy, man. If he gets through that hole, you saw what he could do in that one carry. He's a guy who averaged eight yards uh, as a freshman per carry. 
uh, at Miami. And yeah, I mean, the sky is the limit as far as potential and he might remind you of a guy like Demps. So yeah, it's, it's a fun position for sure. And, and Lorenzo Lingard, Lingard's versatility and his speed alone makes it an even more exciting position to watch. Yeah. I spoke with his, uh, his trainer, uh, Brad Lester, whom if you don't, if you're not familiar, actually played at Auburn for a couple years. Um, he was on the he was on the Auburn team that beat Florida in Jordan Hare and in the Swamp. And I was speak with him for a story, and one of the things he mentioned was Lingard's explosiveness. Even comparing his acceleration to that of a guy like Alvin Kamara, whom he's also or yeah, whom he's also trained, and. I think that is that's a super big comp to give someone, and you know uh, he's really spoken about getting Lingard to focus on the little things because those are the things that are going to separate you, like pass blocking, like route running, all sorts of stuff like that. That's really going to separate you and make you have an impact. And hopefully, with us now that he'll have a spring because I think not having a spring really affected him. It'll allow him to actually you know, see more PT on the field. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the uh, return game, Brian, because, I mean, with the departures of Kadarius Toney, uh, and Jacob Copeland's going to be a starting wide receiver. You don't want to risk any kind of injury to one of your starting receivers. I could understand why they had Copeland on on kick returns last year, uh, but, I mean, obviously, Kadarius Toney was a, was a threat, too, so he was a starting re- wide receiver, so I don't know what I'm talking about. You never know what you're going to get with the staff, I guess. But... Um, you know, you mentioned that return game, and, and now you're lacking a Kadarius Tony, who is, you know, obviously we know what his abilities, the, the juke and the, the speed game that he had had. And now you're you're left with, uh, you know, two speedy running backs, uh, you know, on your on your stable here, and uh, even Naquan Wright. So do you think Lorenzo Lingard gets a chance at special teams as well? Well, I mean... I think he's going to have to get a chance on special teams. And I, I know later we'll kind of go through what we expect as uh, to be kind of the depth chart amongst these guys. Um, and I don't know, we, that's not something you and I have talked about beforehand, but I'm very curious to see. I wrote down what I think the depth chart looks like as of right now and how I expect it to look uh, come fall camp. But, um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to have to, because I think there's not going to be enough touches for him to, uh, and for all of these backs in order to get the, the ball in their hands. And when you've got somebody who is as talented, who is as quick and who is as shifty as a Lorenzo Lingard, especially back at full strength, I think you do whatever you can to get the ball in his hands. And you talked about Kadarius Tony. I don't think Florida wanted a starting wide receiver back returning kicks last year, but they knew they had something special in Kadarius Tony. And if they, if they could get the ball in his hands, just a couple more times that it was worth doing. Yeah, and you don't want to upset a former five-star player into wanting to transfer one more time. I don't think he would do that. Uh, but, um, yeah, you, you've got so much talent on this running back roster that, you, like you said, you don't want to take the ball out of anybody's hands. You don't want to you don't want to sit a Lorenzo Lingard or, or to Marcus Bowman, which, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But, yeah... It, you know, Kadarius Tony gone. That that you got to fill something there. You got to throw somebody in there. I don't expect it to be anybody that is playing at receiver or maybe even a backup receiver. I expect it maybe to be one of these running backs or somebody that has more speed. 
And uh, Lorenzo Lingard does fit into that category if you're going to, you know, depending on what your depth chart looks like, which we'll talk about. But that's some guy that, you know, you've, you've had him in your system for a year. He's he sat down and he's watched these other running backs. He's he's even been you know vocal on Twitter about wanting to play any position, and he'll do anything to get on the field. Throw him on special teams too. Uh, that 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 is a talent that you want doing something on the football field. And uh, you know, but you said the uh, you know this is the, I think this is the first time that Florida has had two five star running backs on their roster in over well over a decade, probably even more. The uh, last five star, I believe, that, that Florida had recruited was Kelvin Taylor, and uh, from you know from Bell Glade. But uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you got two five star running backs of this caliber on your on your roster, you want to get them the ball. And 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 uh, I fully believe Lorenzo Lingard, with his versatility, with his speed, gets somewhere on this roster. Uh, whether it's special teams, whether it's offense, whether it's defense, whatever. I don't think it will be defense, but you can't sit a player that's especially that's been sitting in, in you know sitting down for you know over a year and then not get him on the field yeah you got to play the talent that you get uh, it's that simple if you want these five-star recruits and transfers to keep coming you've got to give them playing time that's going to be one of the good versus evil of the transfer portal is how are you using these guys when they transfer in? If you bury Lingard all the way at the bottom and he's only getting two to three touches for the remainder of his career, that is not going to look good on Dan Mullen and this staff when it comes to recruiting out of the transfer portal. What do you think about that, Jake? What do you think about Lorenzo Lingard's future right now before spring practice and before we see what shakes out? Obviously, we got to wait on that. But what do you think right now? As a, as a fan before, or right now as spring practice is going on during February, which is crazy, what do you think, where do you think Lingard could wind up or can wind up right now? I don't know, man. He's got, well, he's still, he's technically, what, a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior? Yeah. With the added year of extra eligibility. So, I don't know. I think you'll see Simmer running back because something that, well, going back to what Damian, Damian Pierce was during the press conference, he kept emphasizing that it does not matter what role they have to serve in. All the guys want to do is what is asked of them. They will do whatever is asked of them at a high level. They just want to win ball games. He was very adamant about bringing that up as many times as possible. And it wasn't like one of those, oh, we, you know, we don't care. We just want to win ball games. Like, no, he was very much saying it in a way that he meant it. So I think you'll see Lingard still at Florida, and I can't wait to see what he does at running back because I think he'll stay there. Yeah, I do too. Uh, it's like I said, you you have a five-star talent like that on, on any kind of roster. You want to at least try to get him the football or get him somewhere on the field. And, and, and I don't blame them for not playing Lorenzo Lingard as much last year, still recovering from that injury, having the running back stable that you had then, having the experience. Let him learn. Let him sit one year. I know he got limited carries. They did get him on the field a little bit. But, uh, you know, now I think it's time that, you know, you've got this extra year of eligibility. You've got running backs like Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, and Naquan Wright, that if they don't have the year that they want, they can return and play another year. So now are you going to let Lingard sit two years and not utilize him in some sort of way? 
I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I think Lorenzo Lingard's going to have some kind of presence on this team. Uh, possibly special teams, like you said, Brian. Uh, maybe he gets more carries. Maybe those two running back sets, they throw Lingard out there and uh, give him a carry. Give him some, something to get him on the field. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where Lorenzo Lingard winds up on this offense and, and, and another running back, which is a, uh, a prized running back that, uh, that broke our heart earlier on, you know, last year, uh, committing to Clemson. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the, he was somebody in his family's grandfather passed away. He decided, you know, I was really wanting to go to Florida. He was up at Clemson just for him. Uh, he passed away. Uh, he said, hey, now uh, I, I want to transfer to the University of Florida. And that, like, was the, the biggest, like, thing on Twitter for, like, a whole week. A whole two weeks was, oh, my God. We were complaining about not getting Bowman, and now we suddenly got Bowman now. So, yeah, uh, a five-star running back uh, coming to the University of Florida. It's our second five-star running back. It is Demarcus Bowman. All four years of eligibility left. A uh, 190-pound running back from Lakeland, Florida. The uh, third-ranked running back per 24-7 sports composite. Uh, ranked 20th nationally among all players. And of all time, 391 of, of the five stars that, uh, you know, that 24-7 averages and composites. A, uh, but yeah, a, a five-star running back who, ha- oh my God, he does have really good explosive running ability. This guy, his acceleration is off the wall. If you ever watch his film in high school, and this is all that we got right now of DeMarcus Bowman, his high school film. We don't have rarely any college film. He saw limited time in Clemson as a backup, but didn't really get that much, uh, that I, only, I think he only had like nine carries over at Clemson. But a running back that it has very explosive ability, really strong legs, and uh, can take it to the house. And earlier today in the seven-on-seven, seven, uh, Anthony Richardson had threw him a wheel route, and he took it to the house. And you could see the speed that DeMarcus Bowman did have. And, uh, so running a 4-4, four, four, sub-4-4, four, four, don't know if he got any faster or bigger since then. Uh, but this is, what, this is his high school because this is all we have to, to, to go by. Right now is his high school stats. In 2017, he had 113 rushing attempts. Did he rush 1,136 yards for Lakeland? And in 2018, he rushed 205 yards for 2,422 total yards and 36 rushing touchdowns. So uh, a very big, big uh, 2008 season that DeMarcus Bowman had over there at Lakeland. And, uh, yeah, yeah, one of the other five stars on your roster that – you know, maybe you could afford to, you know, let him learn something, but uh, definitely not a talent that you don't want to keep off the field either. So now you have Lorenzo Lingard, and we're talking about Demarcus Bowman now. Uh, very just, he's, if you look at his high school film, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. It seems like he does everything right. Catches the ball out of the backfield, can run the ball between the tackles, strong legs, uh, you know, 4-4, four, four, sub-4-4 four, four speed, uh, just and all around, obviously, a five-star running back. That's, you know, obviously what a five-star running back brings to the table. Uh, an all-around running back that can run that fast. And, uh, you know, now you got him with this big stable of running backs. And, uh, you know, chose to transfer to Florida. Hopefully, he gets immediate eligibility. Uh, if he doesn't get immediate eligibility, though, he obviously has to sit a year. I don't think that would happen, considering the situation from Clemson to Florida. But now you have DeMarcus Bowen on the running back roster. Brian, what are your thoughts about DeMarcus Bowman? DeMarcus Bowman is one of those game-changing type of commitments. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, only a few times has there ever been a, a guy when he committed that you thought 
this could change the entire perception of a program. Tim Tebow was one uh, back in the mid-2000s. Demarcus Bowman, I just remember how disappointed I was when Bowman announced his commitment to Clemson, uh, even though the writing had been kind of on the wall for a couple of weeks, and how, you know, we all, I, I think every one of us were on Twitter, like, these are the battles that Dan Mullen has to win. An in-state kid who looked like a Florida lean for the longest time. We went and got all of his teammates the previous cycle, and yet we couldn't land the big fish. Uh, that was one of the big knocks on Dan Mullen, and, you know, things worked out, obviously, the way they did. Look, this this is a guy who, when you look at the film and when you look at the overall body of work, this is a guy who I think has the. This is the second best running back I've ever seen at the high school level. Uh, I would only say suggest that Derrick Henry had slightly better tape, but Derrick Henry was a totally different type of running back out of Jacksonville. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who can give you everything. Uh, this is a guy that I fully expect to uh, make an impact next year, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if he was a starting running back as early as week one, two, or three. Um, I fully expect that uh, Bowman's going to – kind of change, end up becoming that lead back, the guy you rely on to get you 15 carries, that's probably not going to happen this year because of the stable of backs behind him. But in the future, I think that's what he offers Florida. Like I said, he's, he's the do-everything back. And uh, that's that's exactly what you want from a guy who was as highly rated as he was coming out of high school. Yeah, I think uh... – you know, not, it, I don't, I don't, it's weird. I don't want to make a statement on him because it may, he, you don't know if he's going to get immediate eligibility or not. You know, I might sound like a psychopath, but I wasn't as devastated as other people were when he chose Clemson. I mean, there's a reason elite guys go to cl- places like Clemson, Alabama. It's because they make them successful. Right, you but see Jay, like Travis the Etienne. fact that Dabo wanted this guy is one of the reasons that you know that he's going to be legit. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't saying anything about his ability. I haven't gotten to that yet. But I'm saying if a guy's that good and Clemson wants him, it, I'll be hard-pressed to see anybody else get him if their name isn't Alabama. Even, so, even with, like, all of his teammates going to the same university? I mean, that that does weigh a lot on a lot of a lot of talent. Uh, a, a lot of people came to the University of Florida back in, uh, I believe it was when, when Tim Tebow was recruited, and a lot of them came there because they recruited Tim Tebow. <laughs> And if it wouldn't have been for that, I know Brandon Spikes had came out and said, if it wasn't for Tim Tebow going to Florida, I would have never went to Florida. And I think Tim Tebow was contemplating Alabama and Florida at the time. So maybe if Tim Tebow went to Alabama, Brandon Spikes was probably going right there with him. Uh, I mean, yeah, and I don't know. I guess your point, you know, Clemson obviously has proven to be on a national championship level, as Florida right now hasn't. But, um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of recruits want to either go play with their friends wherever they go, or they want to play with other elites. So do you really think it was a, I want to go to Clemson because it's Clemson, or do you, you know, I mean, what are your, what are your takes? I, I'm just interested in what you think. I would think the Lakeland pipeline and everybody being in his ear saying that, this is just me, you know, uh, being in his ear saying that, oh, you're going to go to Florida, you're going to be a Gator, you know, you're going to be, you're going to do so great there. But everybody's already predestined where you're going to go. Right. Why not go to a place where you can make your own name, where he's got where his dad was put guys in on NFL rosters like a CJ Spiller, like what Travis Etienne is going to do. You know, I think the, 
the the pedigree speaks for itself if you go to a place like Clemson. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. I, I I agree with that. I was just wanting to get like your type of opinion on that. But uh, and realistically, leading up to that point, Dan Mullen's offense hadn't shown you much more correct than what you had seen previously. This this wasn't the offense we saw last year, or even in the early parts of of the season before. If if it was this offense this year, maybe it's a different story. But you had no idea if Dan Mullen was going to be Jim McElwain two point yeah, what about Greg Knox, man? What did he do? <laughs> well, and and that's another topic. I mean, talking about this position would feel, you know, it would feel incomplete without talking about Greg Knox and the lack of recruiting. But like you just, you know, like we just went through, there's five legitimate running backs on this roster right now. <laughs> yeah, if you get if you get knock uh, if you get knock Greg Knox for hit. Like, you're going to give Greg Knox grief for missing on the trail. You got to at least give him some kind of praise for getting the guys out of the portal and making the guys he has better. Right. Yeah. We, we can't give Greg Knox any kind of flack now. Um, he, I don't know who pulled DeMarcus Bowman out of the portal. I don't know if it's because of Dan Mullen or because of Greg Knox or is probably just a collaboration of everybody and maybe the situation, but we really can't give Greg Knox anything right now, considering what he's gotten from the portal. But uh, I, I didn't mean to get too off to off subject with you, Jake. I know we were we were getting your assessment of Demarcus Bowman when we kind of uh, went off there. So go ahead and just. No. Uh, I think if whenever he plays, he can be a bell cow for for the University of Florida. I think. You know, uh, and Dan likes having guys like that. He likes having a dude that he can run, not 30 times a game, but a guy who will be their lead back, like an Aris Williams or a Vic Ballard or um, a Ladarius Perkins or something, someone like that. Obviously, the quarterback is a guy, is a, is a ball carrier he loves to use, but he also likes to have a running back that gets a majority of the work. But I don't think he's ever had a set of backs that are like this. So once Bowman's role is solidified, whether it's this year, like Brian thinks it's going to be, or it's next year, you know, depending on how the eligibility thing comes out, he will be a mainstay in the offense. You know, it's funny because he reminds me a little bit of, and this is almost like size two of a Travis Etienne. You, you mentioned him earlier and you were talking about Clemson. That's and not to set expectations that are unrealistic. I, I get that. But his style, his everything about him just screams to me like this is a guy that could break records at Florida if he was given that kind of opportunities in my thoughts. Do you think he uh, gets on to special teams as well, as we talked about with Lingard? I think he's going to be higher up the depth chart, so I think they're going to rely more on Lingard and maybe like a backup wide receiver or something, uh, maybe a Rick Wells type, but um, – I, I think they're going to save Bowman for those those power runs, and he's going to take kind of a lot of abuse playing as a bell cow running back. Uh, so I don't think, excuse me, I don't think we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, kick returns, punt returns, and, and special teams out of him. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, coming out of high school, obviously, he's right around that 200 mark, but um, uh you know, he has the stronger legs of both Lorenzo Lingard and him. He obviously, you know, has a quicker burst. I don't know if he has the speed that Lingard has, depending on, you know, if, if you put them both side by side, but it, he pretty much equally matches up almost 
with Lorenzo Wingard there. I think Lorenzo Wingard has a little bit more speed, and I think you're right, Brian. I think you would get more of a benefit of having somebody like a Lorenzo Wingard returning a kick or, uh, you know, something like that, a slot or somewhere there. And Demarcus Bowman as just a running back in general, I think you're right. I think that they're, you're wasting his talent if you don't have him at running back. I'm not saying that, like, when he gets on the field somewhere else, he can't make a play. But I think his best position right now is under center at running back. And with these two tight end sets and everything, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Dan Mullen loves to throw those players out there that you don't think are going to be out there. We saw it plenty of times with uh, just a lot of walk-ons. He's stuck a lot of walk-ons in there to get these short touchdown plays. You've seen it against LSU. You've seen it against a lot of other teams. And, uh, you know, this stable of running backs, man, um, like I said before, you got Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman. If one of these running backs say they don't have the year that they want and they don't feel like they feel comfortable going to the NFL and think that they need to stay one more year. Now that puts, you know, and you put you in the same situation next year. So now you're, you're into year 2022 and I'm not trying to do jump too far ahead here. If you were into this same situation in 2022, what do you think you do then? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of change potentially happen after spring practice. Uh, Florida, I, I know that we've, I'm sure you saw that Florida's not going to have a traditional spring game, but there's going to be a lot of spring practices. They're going to have their own scrimmages. I think what, you, what is very, very possible and or very likely is that one of these guys is probably not going to be here in fall camp when they realize where they're at at the, at, on the depth chart. Uh, I'm not saying it's definitive, but I think that's very likely. And and if you think we, I, I think all of us agree that every one of these guys that we've talked about have NFL potential. If you've got NFL potential and you can transfer somewhere, why wouldn't you take your shots where you can go and maybe get a thousand, fifteen hundred yards somewhere else? Right. You know, and you've proven you can do it in the SEC uh, for at least three of these guys. Uh, why wouldn't you transfer? So I'll be very curious to see what happens after spring football. And I, I think there's a very legitimate chance that we have a uh, pop-up discussion one day uh, talking about the transfer of one of these running backs. Speaking of that, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one out there real quick and uh, you know, maybe get some people yelling at us on, on the next podcast. Uh, if, if there was a running back out of this group of running backs that was to transfer because of what you just said, who do you think it would be? And I, and I'll even give my opinion, but I'm going to start with you, Brian. Just a prediction. And I, I, I hate to say it because I love it, this guy. I love the way he runs, uh, and I think he's a real good fit, and I think he's a good fit with what else is on the roster. But I think it's got to be Naquan Wright. He's a young guy um, that I, I just I think that he's the one that has the most tape still to show. Um, I think Damian Pierce could go with very limited touches and still get drafted next year. I think he's shown a lot of tape. Uh, same with Malik Davis. Uh, and then if you give Lingard and Bowman the the touches, uh, there's no reason for them to go anywhere. But I, I think Naquan Wright's the guy who has the most to gain by transferring out. Well, Art, I, I, I would like to see what happens with Damian Pierce and Malik Davis because technically they are a senior and a redshirt senior. So they could be gone, just be gone already. So that brings Naquan Wright back into the fold as 
a key cog in the offense because it'll still be Lingard. It'll still be Bowman. If you say they don't want to transfer again and then him, that's, I mean, plenty of opportunity to still be involved in the offense. So I'd be hard pressed to see who would transfer out of this. I don't know if any of them will. You might see one, but I don't know which one. That's my, that's my answer. I don't know. I'm a stupid man. Yeah. And and you don't, uh, it's like you said with Lingard and Bowman, they don't want to transfer again because then they're having to wait a year. But at the same time now, if they pass that year of eligibility rule, it doesn't look like they're going to pass it anytime soon. But if they do pass that, you know, one year, one thing, you're going to see a lot more transfers, but they've already done it. So they're still going to have to sit out a year no matter where they go. So I don't see Lorenzo Lingard or uh, DeMarcus Bowman transferring unless one of these running backs thinks that they're never going to see the field at the University of Florida. And I highly doubt that's going to happen. With me, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I don't think Naquan Wright would be the one to transfer. I think he adds more versatility. But with, I mean, with your point, Brian, he has, you, he has the skill set to where if he transferred somewhere else, yeah, he could, he could be really, really good if he got more snaps. I agree with that. But if I was to just throw a name out there, and it's nothing, I have nothing personal against the guy. Um, I think maybe the way that he had played last year it could be Malik Davis if if you know he he continues to to have fumbling issues and um, you know just things like if he can't get hit a hole and can't get through the line like a Bowman or a Lingard or a uh, you know a Damian Pierce can get those extra three to four yards and you know possibly you may not even see any of these transfers maybe maybe they do add Malik Davis to a slot receiver role instead of a running back now and now he's a slot receiver yeah i mean you you've got Kadarius Tony that's gone now maybe they move Malik Davis to that spot and maybe you're at four running backs now and nobody's transferring you don't know that either and then at the same time we don't know if somebody could get hurt i mean that's that's always an option in in any kind of position um but you know, I, I think if anybody was to transfer, if they just didn't get enough playing time, and, um, you know, now maybe he could improve. I think it would be Malik Davis, but at the same time, I think he has more to offer to the offense. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say Malik Davis or Naquan, right, if there was to be a transfer, but uh, we, we're not saying any of these running backs are transferring. We don't want them to. I don't want them to personally. I think they all have some kind of things to bring to the table to this offense, and, and, and it would be a shame if any of these running backs to transfer – and it would really be, it would really suck, in my, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, it's tough. <laughs> it's going to be a top-heavy position here in the, uh, at the running back spot, man. you got so much talent. you got a stable running backs. And it's a good problem to have, and it's a good problem to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah, the stable running backs here. And now we're going to give, our, I guess, our predictions for the depth chart uh, this year uh, coming after spring practice and all that. Um, uh, Brian, I think you had said you had your depth chart made out and what you predicted what it would be. Well, I, I mean, it, a lot of it's depending, and I'm, I'm, we're just going to go ahead and, I guess, assume that uh, Bowman's going to be eligible for this year. I think that'll – if we make that blanket statement, you know, and, and use that assumption – He probably it, will think, be. I mean, right, I, I would assume so. Um, he was also – he committed to Florida pretty early. I, I know he didn't get on campus until late, but I don't I don't know. Did, did he even have a snap with Clemson? Yeah, he did. He had, okay. I think he had nine carries for around 30 or so yards, but this was in garbage time, just nothing important. And early in the season at that. Right. Um, I mean, if it was up to me, I think um, I think the way it's going to start out at least is I think Peters is going to be the number one guy. Um, I think Bowman's going to be a close second, and I think eventually Bowman will probably overtake Pierce. Um, 
And then I think you've got Naquan Wright. Again, this is also, to, you know, assuming that everybody sticks around. Um, then I think you've got Davis, but I also see him coming out of the slot and being used in the passing game quite a bit. Um, I think it's very possible that Florida could open up the season with a two-back look. And, uh, you know, uh, Malik Davis could be out there for the very first play of the year. Um, and then I think Lingard's going to be kind of that last guy and more of a uh, kind of prove-it kind of role. Um, that's not a shot against him. That's just how deep this stable of running backs is right now. Um, Lingard, like I said, I think he's going to get a lot of chances on the kick return. I think he's going to get a lot of chances on the punt return. If uh, Davis were to go down, I think there's a decent chance you can see Lingard in the slot. And I think you can see a lot of those jet sweeps that we've talked about with Davis, uh, with uh, Lorenzo Lingard. What about you, Jake? What's your predicted depth chart for this year? I would think it stays the way it, it was last year. I would think I would go Pierce as your starter, and then I'm going to go all Jim McQueen on here. I'm going to go Malik Davis or Naquan Wright, and then Lorenzo Lingard or Demarcus Bowman. Because the fact, so let me let me explain here. That sounds really stupid, but I guarantee you it's not. So Damian Pierce obviously is your solidified starter. He's your most experienced running back, and then you get Malik Davis or Naquan Wright. It's because they do such similar things. I don't know which one of them would get more snaps. I would think because Mike Davis has seniority, he would probably get that nod. Um, and then I would go Lingard or Bowman because Lingard's only been on campus for the fall and he barely saw any time. And he has this, they'll have gone through the, their first spring practice with Florida this semester. So I think they'd have just as much experience playing in a game for Florida. So it's pretty interchangeable where they'll be. Yeah. But I'd probably give it to Lorenzo Lingard to be above Bowman because he's already been on campus. Yeah. I kind of agree with Jake here a little bit. Um, I think, you know, and especially Dan Mullen himself. Now, if, if I had my opinion, the depth chart would be different. Uh, but if we're going by how Dan Mullen, he he, lo- he loves to play to his senior seniority. Um, we've seen it. We've seen there's been times where, especially on defense, where obviously, you know, Marco Wilson wasn't doing great at all last year, and he kept Marco Wilson in the game every single game, every start, no matter where they threw a cleat, what, no matter what he did, he was starting. So I believe the depth chart will go Davian Pierce, Malik Davis. Now, now don't get me wrong, Malik Davis – Throw an option toss to this guy. See what he can do. That, I mean, he's he's got speed. Uh, and, and I think that he brings a new dynamic to that running back room. And I think that, I don't think Malik Davis would actually lose his starting job or Damian Pierce. I mean, they have the most experience. A lot of coaches like to play the more experienced player, the more seniority player, the, the leader of each position, just based on the experience. Now, you get Malik Davis and he's starting to make mistakes like he was last year. You might see somebody like Daquan Wright or uh, Demarcus Bowman take that take that position over. I think Lorenzo Lingard has a, a a good argument here too, but I think Lorenzo Lingard is too talented to keep off the field. 
And I think with the losses at some positions, you may see Lorenzo Lingard playing in a different role somewhere, like on a special teams. And then he may make his way as a running back in some of these two running back sacks. A, lo- a lot of running backs are going to get a lot of opportunities this year with, with how the offense is going to shake out. And, um, you know, obviously Emory Jones is going to get his rushing attempts as well. So that's going to take away from the running backs a little bit. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, and I, I think the depth chart will go Damian Pierce, Malik Davis. But I do think that third spot with Naquan Wright and Demarcus Bowman could be debated. I think Demarcus Bowman is a better talent. I think DeMarcus Bowman is a better talent than Lorenzo Lingard and Naquan Wright. Now, can he translate that onto the field and college level is, is what we're going to have to see here. But I think Dan Mullen's going to keep the depth chart the way that it is, and I think it might, towards the middle of the year, might figure itself out. But I th- I definitely don't think that, like, if, if, if you're starting Damian Pierce and Malik Davis and they're making plays and they're getting positive plays and Malik Davis cleans up his fumbles and starts making plays in the slot or whatever, wherever you want to put him, I don't think there is an argument to where you could put somebody in front of Malik Davis or or Damian Pierce, for that matter. Right, and and you mentioned it with the fumble thing. Malik Davis is going to have to hang on to the football because if, in your scenario, if Bowman's going to be behind Davis in that, in that depth chart, Bowman can do everything that Malik Davis can do. We've already seen that in practice this year. What what you hope is that with so much depth and so many good players here is that these guys are going to elevate the play of each other and that as a group, they're just going to go off <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the hope here. But regardless of who's starting there, I don't think there's anybody that looks at the Florida running back room right now and says, mm, I, I don't I don't like that. Because that's a really deep, really good running back room, even with the unproven talent, so to speak, in Bowman and Lingard. Yeah, and I think this is the first time I've had to say this in a long time, that the starters are the ones that have everything to lose and the ones that aren't projected starters have everything to gain. That's I don't think I've ever had an assessment like that in a long time about the running back room here at the University of Florida because, like I said, last time we had this kind of an elite quarterback, or not quarterback, running back on the uh, the offense was back when Kelvin Taylor was recruited to Bell Glade. And that was, shoot, what, back in 2012, 2013, somewhere in that range? And now you've got two on the roster at the same time, which is something we hadn't had in a long time. So now it's 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 kind of got us questioning every all the other fans questioning how this running back stable is going to 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 shake out because we haven't had this in a long time. So it's it, it is very confusing for a regular fan for us. Uh, like I said, Dan Mullen does play to his seniority, and it'll be interesting to see how this running back room shakes out. I think this is one of the more interesting offensive positions this year going into spring football because there's just so much talent. And uh, at the running back spot, and uh, yeah, just it'll just be interesting to see how the running back, just after spring practice, how the running back you know room shakes out, and then during the year, and what happens during the year is, and if if there's a job that gets taken, or if somebody gets hurt, or if you know, it's a good problem to have. So anybody that's a Florida fan that wants to say you're an idiot for thinking that, you're an idiot for thinking that. Well, the reason why we're idiots for thinking this is because we're having a good problem right now. <laughs> so for us to say, oh, well, so-and-so may start over here. So-and-so, well, he's got to – who cares? We're arguing about something that's great. So, uh, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, 
I hope nothing happens to these running backs. I don't want anybody to transfer. And I hope they all pan out for the University of Florida. I hope we have an elite running back room for a long time because that's something that we have not had in a long time is an elite running back room. And this is the first chance that now we probably get to see it now with Dan Mullen in this offense, the way the offense is going to run, the way that you're going to see all these two running back sets, the way you're going to see this RPO, the option pitches to the running backs. You're going to see a lot of different things in this offense. So that's what makes this running back room really exciting for this year. So uh, Brian or Jake, you all got any final thoughts of the running backs? Uh, I think I just want to go back to my original point or not, um, not my original point. I want to go back to the statement I made where Pierce was very, you know, very adamant about making sure people understood that they'll do whatever it takes to win. And if they're not going to get as many touches, that's fine. They'll pass block. They'll go off for a pass. They'll do X, Y, Z. I think they're very committed just to winning and doing what is asked of them because they know Whatever happens, they'll be rewarded for doing so. Also, this is all conjecture. Everything is made up and the points don't matter. So just let me know. Hey, hey Jake, I, just to throw it out there, and, and I'm not trying to say that that's not the mentality of these guys at all. I, I was a big fan, and I watched Carson Wentz say that he was rooting for Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles when he was hurt. I saw how that turned after that and how he probably didn't exactly mean that. Uh, I'm not saying that these guys aren't rooting for each other, but you know that they, they want their carries and that they're, you know, they're saying all the right things and you can appreciate that for certain. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. This is as loaded a running back, like you said, Dave, that we've seen probably since the urban days, honestly. Uh, there are literally five different guys that could carry the ball and do a really good job carrying it. Uh, it's like you said, it's a good problem to have. Even if one of these guys transfers, it's not going to be the end of the world for this unit, which is a pretty cool thing to have uh, to be able to say. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my final thoughts on on the running back room. Yeah, it, it, this is a running back room that it, a lot of people, it's, it's five blue chip running backs. These these running backs in high school were all ranked in at least the 250 range. I, I don't believe Malik Davis was. I believe he was a low-end four-star around that 300 range. But, you know, you had Damian Pierce in that top 250. You had Naquan Wright in that top 250. You obviously have Demarcus Bowman, the 20th player in the nation, the uh, number three running back in his position for his year. You have Lorenzo Lingard, a five-star that was the number two running back for his position his year. So... Yeah, it, this stable of running backs, it's a lot of blue chips. And, and like you guys said, the guys that are coming in are going to push these other running backs uh, even higher because these were higher-ranked kids in high school. Everybody knows it. They know it. And I think that you want that kind of energy, that they're willing to do whatever the, it takes to get you know the job done. And, uh, you know, this is what you want out of your running backs. You want that mentality. You want that Gator standard mentality. You want anybody that's going to do anything – to get carries or to get, you know to stay on the field, and I think with the addition to Marcus Bowman and with Lorenzo Lingard now sitting here, I think it pushes these running backs that are starting ahead of them. It pushes them and their elements and, and and everything even further. So yeah, it's just a good problem to have, a good problem to have a discussion about, <laughs> a good problem to tell everybody they're idiots about thinking somebody's going to start over somebody because it, the running back room is just so good, and it's a good problem to have. So. Uh, Brian, uh, yeah, we've discussed running backs, and I want to kind of get into some other news a little bit. I know we've had some, uh, you know, some some spring practice here and some spring notes a little bit, and 
you know, they, they did mention that there was going to be no spring game for the second year in a row, which is, you know, it dampers my <laughs> dampers me going to Gainesville again, which which is fine. But I still want to make a trip down there to Steve Spurrier's Gridiron Grill whenever it opens. But yeah, there's no spring game. But uh, the uh, AD, Scott Strickland, he did say that there's going to be some kind of televised event for this. Uh, uh, so we'll, we'll see what that is. Uh, but uh, what do you guys think? No spring game. Uh, you know, we do get a televised event. We don't know if it's a scrimmage or what it is, but at least we get something. And Scott Strickland did promise that. I will tell you that even if there was a spring game, I highly doubt that there was the tailgating and the, the atmosphere that we so much like. And what Dan Mullen has done since he's come to UF, the spring game has kind of been a joke of a game. They bring out the, the, the former players from the sideline and do these stupid catches. Um, honestly, I, I'm not missing that there's not a game except that I'm not going to be with, you know, 15, 20, 30,000 fans um, that I, I call friends. Um, that that part's a little bit of a bummer, but otherwise, I, I mean, as far as the game and, and whatnot, I don't think we're missing anything. <laughs> I won't be able to get on my beer chug over there at their harmonic woods tailgate. No, but you'll be able to do it at home. And watch it on a TV with slightly better angles. <laughs> and a, probably a better seat, too. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> this is win-win, Dave. Let's let's enjoy what we've got here. <laughs> Get to grill my own yard, too. So, and, I mean, uh, look, obviously, we'd like to be out there tailgating with, you know, our, our good friends and all that. But it's just not like that wasn't an option regardless. And uh, and that would have changed the the whole perception. So when they came out with that, I know a lot of people were really bummed out. But I just kind of took it as like, you know, what, that's good because I've got such fond memories of tailgating and, and going to these games that going there and not tailgating. I, I, I'd probably be bored. It'd be one of those. Let's leave at halftime, go across the street and get a drink or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I'm not disappointed at all. Let's, let's save it. And, and, uh, hopefully next year we can have a real game and there's going to be way more fans than we've ever had because of the anticipation. And, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. Dan Mullen hasn't expressed that much importance in spring games. It's more of like an exhibition where they put on a show for us and stuff like that. So really, I mean, I'm just excited to see whatever Scott Strickland wants to put out there on TV or whether it's a scrimmage or whatever. Because I just want to see the, the new blood, the, the new talent coming in and see what they can do. We obviously know what some of the other talent can do. And, and, I, and I'm curious to see how, you know, uh, how Justin Shorter and Jacob Copeland and Xavier Henderson have evolved into, into wide receivers as well. And, you know, to get something in April, considering, you know, you have to wait another four months just to watch the college football again. I, I, I think that's important to the, the fan base and, and Gator Nation and, and the recruits, too. Right. And, and look, I, I would have no problem criticizing UF if I thought that, you know, they weren't being transparent with us or anything like that. But I will say one thing that they've done is they've put a couple of these practices on Instagram live. You could go and watch it as it's going on and you can see the updates all throughout Twitter of these people watching it. Um, and, and to me, that's cool. I'd rather see the practices, the practices where you're actually seeing what's going on. And I look, I don't know if they're showing you everything. I, I honestly have not had a chance to check them out yet. I've just seen the highlights and the updates or whatever. I got four, um, four players there too. Right. And so I, that, yeah, I'm more excited about getting to see those practices uh, than, than I was ever about going to a game. It was more about the experience than ever about the game. 
Right. I was the same way. I, I went to the last spring game uh, two years ago uh, with, with Will, with Dave, and a few, my wife, and a few other friends. And uh, yeah, it was more of like a, uh, I mean, they, they, they did, you know, obviously have a spring game, but, it, you know, obviously they were kind of just putting on a show of talents of who could do what. And then you would see Chris Doring catch a touchdown, uh, just being wide open out there in the end zone for no apparent reason whatsoever, and them counting it on the scoreboard. So you already knew it was kind of like a, just kind of a show for them. And, um, you know, it's not the fact that he didn't take the spring game serious. He takes spring practice serious, obviously. But, you know, it, no spring game is kind of a downer because I love going to Gainesville. But there's I can find other reasons to go to Gainesville and, and meet up with my buddies. So uh, I'm not too upset about that. But Scott Strickland did say we would get something out of it. And other news, hey, Gus Bus rolling into the uh, UCF territory there. What do you think about that, guys? <laughs> Rarely does a school oh, nice. like, <laughs> rarely does a school like UCF have their coach poached from them, and then somehow they manage to upgrade their coach. <laughs> um, props to UCF; they got a brand new athletic director. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty awesome grab for them. They got T. I Willie mean, too. That's I mean I I'm I saw it and I was like wow good good for them. Now I don't think he's going to be there a long time. But like I said, for UCF, that that's a pretty awesome grab for them. Gus Bus to UCF. What do you think, Jake? I am. I, you know, it's so funny. I think UCF really understands their uh, like their mo as a program because the last three guys they now have are offensive, like quote unquote, offensive minds or gurus with Scott Frost, Josh Heupel, and now Gus Malzahn. So they realized that, hey, just get someone who can score points and everything else is going to be figured out. Like, I swear to God, like, trust me, bro. Like, it's going to work. So, I mean, I'm a, I am I, I honestly am very excited to see Gus Malzahn in Orlando. I really am. Because he's just such a, a character and just seeing him go from a place like Auburn – and seeing him in the black and gold at UCF is just going to be just galore. You hear that, Auburn players, former Auburn players, for Gus Malzahn. Maybe you see a couple of them transfer over to UCF. Yeah, can't win a national title here, but you can't over at UCF every year if you want to. See, I'm thinking that UCF should have a home-and-home home scheduled with Tennessee by now. They don't do home-and-home home schedules. director convinced us, told us that we were on the same level as them. Well, Guess what? If Tennessee is not on the same level as UCF, Florida ain't nowhere close to you, okay? <laughs> Offer them some McDonald's bags. Yeah. Other news, uh, C.J. McWilliams transfers to Purdue. I think we all kind of saw that one coming. Um, but, uh, you know, good luck to C.J. McWilliams over there at Purdue. Um, you know, as, as you've seen, you know, Jason Marshall and all these other guys coming in, I think the writing was on the wall for C.J. McWilliams. So don't blame him for the transfer there at Purdue. But, yeah, that's some other news there as well. If nobody knew about where C.J. McWilliams was at, now he's at the University of Purdue. Brian, uh, you want to discuss other sports real quick? Yeah, before we do that, I just want to say McWilliams entered the portal just, you know, like two months ago, I believe. Um, and, and it's not a surprise to see him leave. With the uh, historically bad defense that Florida had, none of us realized he was even still on the team, so it's not a surprise <laughs> to see him go. Um, all right, so yeah, let's let's crank it into some of these other sports just real quick. 
uh, baseball had their season opener uh, and, and their first series, Ouch. it was against uh, Miami and uh, the rivalry. And it started out great on Friday, Florida opened up the brand new Florida ballpark with a seven to five win. And, uh, all looked right uh, until the ninth inning. The ninth inning, it got a lot closer than it should have. Um, Miami actually went on and won the last two games. Florida walked uh, something like 25 batters over the course of the weekend, uh, and that's not winning baseball there. Uh, yeah, they're Christian, de- go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say their defense was horrible. Yeah, there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of miscues, um, but there were, there were a couple of good efforts. Uh, Nathan Hickey, the freshman catcher, um, hit the first home run in the park's history in the, the bottom of the first inning of the, the first game Friday night. Uh, and then Christian Scott and Tommy Mays were two pitchers that kind of stood out. Um, and, and Tommy Mays, you're expecting a good we a good year and that he's going to be a really high draft pick next year. Um, but yeah, a lot of work to do. Um, I also wanted to go to the other diamond and talk a little bit of softball. Softball is now 8-0 on the year. They finished the uh, bubbly invitational this weekend uh, where they faced uh, Charlotte and um, – where they faced Charlotte and Georgia Southern, and uh, obviously they swept through the competition five different games. They won all five of those. Um, like I said, they're up to eight and zero. Katie Cronister was actually named a the uh, SEC Pitcher of the Week. Um, that's a big honor for her because she's always been kind of overlooked. She's been around for what feels like forever, um, but a real solid lefty who has it just presents a really different arm angle than what um, the opposing pitchers are used or excuse me, the opposing hitters are used to. Um, but yeah, to see her uh, come out and be successful is a pretty big deal because like I said, she's kind of always been overshadowed. She's had injury issues. Um, and, and if she can pitch as dominantly as she has to open this year, then uh, Florida is going to be in, in a good spot. Uh, Jake, I want to give you a second to talk about the men's basketball team. Yeah. Men's basketball. I don't know where y- y'all left off. Um, I believe they had just lost to Arkansas. Yeah, they lost to, so they lost to, they beat West Virginia, which was a very big win for them, and then had a very not good, which was somehow characteristic loss against South Carolina at home, which definitely kind of you know pulls them down the net ranking. Then they proceed to lose their next three games to postponement, so they don't play LSU, Tennessee, or Texas A&M, and then actually are back against Arkansas. Much needed win. Does not pan out. They lose by 11 of the Razorbacks and then are able to come back to the O-Dome and pull out and get a win against the Georgia Bulldogs sweeping that season, season series. So the Gators still have a ton of wins, like not ton of wins. The, they still have some work they need to do if they want to make the tournament. Um, they still have, they have Auburn um, coming up tomorrow, Tuesday. And then they'll have. Uh, then they'll finish out the, the rest of the season. They'll be in Auburn Tuesday night, and then they'll finish out the rest of the season against Kentucky and Missouri. And then they'll have the SEC tournament. So they have some opportunities to get some more wins to help uh, that tournament resume. We'll see if the the LSU, Tennessee, and A and M games get made up, but they're not out of the woods yet in terms of you know whether they'll be on the bubble or not. 
Yeah, and real quick before we move on, I just want to mention two other sports. Uh, Florida lacrosse actually just uh, lost to the number one North Carolina Tar Heels, but it was a good enough effort, a good enough fight that they actually moved up two spots in the rankings despite losing. Um, They had a game. uh, They were scheduled to play tomorrow or Tuesday, uh, but that got postponed uh, to against Kennesaw State, and so now their next game is for is set for February 28th against Loyola. And lastly, I want to mention the women's basketball team. Um, they're not having a great year. Um, they lost superstar Lavender Briggs for the season uh, just like last week or two weeks ago, um, but. Kiki Smith, senior point guard, uh, has really led the way, and she scored a career-high 34 points in their loss on Saturday. Uh, I thought those were efforts that were worth noting. (laughs) Yeah, as as I am not the expert on any of the other sports, I do kind of watch a little bit of that basketball and baseball, and it wasn't so good for either one of them. Um, You know, uh, baseball team, and I believe somebody, I can't, I believe it was Nick Delatore or somebody had said that uh, I think Florida when I think when one of the years they won the national championship or something like that, that they had gotten swept their first series or something like that, told everybody, hey, don't panic. And, uh, you know, the baseball team is loaded with talent. And um, sometimes you open the season. I mean, you, you, you open the season against other teams and you start figuring out, you know, as the year goes on, what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And some teams don't even have that problem. I mean, you like team like Alabama, you know, talent everywhere. And even if something, you know, football's a different sport compared to, Baseball and basketball, because I feel like in basketball, the shots have to fall sometimes. You got to just rely on that. And then in baseball, you got to hope the ball goes where you want it to when you hit it. So, but obviously, if you've got talent to hit the ball really hard, I guess, or, you know, hit it accurately every time it's pitched to you, then obviously you're going to be a better batter than somebody else behind you. But yeah, um, a lot of Florida's issues on the baseball field were, were coming from the pitching staff. And yeah. so it's possible that they're opening the, the season against Miami. You never open against It's kind of like college football where a lot of times they open the season against a Loyola or somebody you've never heard of or some directional school. Uh, they're opening against their rival. They're opening this brand new ballpark. There is no real home field advantage at that park yet. Um, and so it's, it's just the combination of a lot of things and it was very uncharacteristic mistakes by this team. It's something that you fully expect to see them recover from. Uh, they've got this week, they've got UNF for two games and then they've got a, a home weekend series against, uh, Samford. Uh, you would expect them to go five and no, uh, over the course of the week. And if they do that, you're going to hear a lot of people forget about this Miami series. Right. Now, we've seen it before when they, uh, sometimes a team starts off the year really bad with a really bad loss. And then towards the end of the year, uh, I think we, you know, when teams play each other again, it's totally different. Uh, we had it, you know, back when, you know, back when Florida played Florida State and then got crushed. And then they, you know, they get some luck. They play them in the national championship and completely blow out Florida State the next time. So uh, I think we saw it one time too. And, um, uh, I think it's 2009. Auburn had played. Auburn had played South Carolina, and the game was really close. I think it was like a 16 to 13 score. And then South Carolina played Auburn again in the SEC championship, and Auburn completely just blew them away. So uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you start off to a bad start, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this baseball team is 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 every bit of that bad, especially on defense. Uh, definitely don't need any more defensive woes in any kind of sports. We've had enough of it last year with the football. And uh, here on ChopTalk.com, we do cover every sport. Football, golf, soccer, winter sports like gymnastics, 
basketball, spring sports like baseball, lacrosse, softball, and many other sports we do cover here on Chop Talk. Dave, we didn't even mention gymnastics. Oh, my God. I can't believe we forgot gymnastics. Go ahead. They uh, So they were without, like, five of their top players and uh, athletes, including, uh, like, all-world Trinity Thomas. And they went out and played just – it was an incredible meet. Um, Alyssa Bauman competed her first um, all-around uh, since, I believe, since the Olympics, uh, which included the bars. Last time she had competed on bars, she had a, she had a fall. And uh, it really messed with her. And uh, but man, it was a almost flawless performance by Gators Gymnastics. They they didn't have their coach. They didn't have several of their best uh, gymnasts around. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of these days we'll have to invite Caroline on to talk a little bit of gymnastics with us because she'll she'll talk laps around what I'm talking about. But it was an unbelievable performance, and I can't believe I forgot about it earlier. <laughs> yeah, you talk about gymnastics. Shame on you, Brian. Shame on you. I was going to say, you talk about gymnastics, and I know nothing about uh, bars. The only bars I know about competing in bars is my own uh, my own doing. But <laughs> Dave, yes, just, uh, just, to give you a, just to give you a quick story, this one's kind of funny. Uh, you guys might like it. So when we first got credentialed to do gymnastics, um, I'm, I'm out, we're, we're sitting along the press row on the floor, and I'm sitting next to Caroline, Caroline Medley uh, Freeman, who is now our gymnastics writer, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to live tweet this and I have no idea what's going on, but I'm just like, all right, uh, Bridget Sloan went on the vault and got a, you know, 9.8 or whatever. <laughs> and Bridget Sloan probably got a nine, nine. So then let me, let me be clear on that. And I look over and I'm not trying to like copy her or anything, but I just want to see what she's writing. Cause she's like, her fingers are just going at it. Right. And I look over and she's like, Bridget Sloan. One half, Yurichenko, full, split-legged, you know, had a slight step, blah, blah, blah. And I, 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 I thought she was joking with me, right? I thought she knew I was looking and she, like, wanted to mess me up, right? And I look at her, I was like, so you saw all that in that vault, which the vault is, like, as far away from us as it could be on the floor there. And I was just like, so you just saw all that? Because I just saw her do a flip and landed, right? And the landing, yeah, looked all right. Um, and she goes, yeah, no, I saw all that. And I was like, wow. So naturally when Caroline, the next, next year had reached out and said that she'd be interested in writing for us, I was like, Oh, absolutely. The content would be <laughs> significantly better. Um, and, and Caroline's been great. She's, she's tried to teach me the little nuances and like little things. So I know some of the words now, but I mean, I'm still, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. What they're doing is unbelievable. Don't ask me to commentate on it. I don't know what the words are. I, some of them are Russian words named after former Russian gymnasts or whatever. And <laughs> but um, but yeah, this this team's a lot of fun. This Florida team this year, um, they're number one in the country. They've been number one all year. And even with uh, basically, I, I don't want to say the backup people because Florida's got such a loaded team. And we talk about that with baseball, but gymnastics might even be more loaded than our baseball squad. And uh, they just came out and showed up, and, and it, it didn't matter, adversity or not. They just overcame it. So uh, it definitely something to watch for on Friday nights. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll have to get Caroline on here for an episode. Maybe she can school me a little bit on gymnastics. And like I said, the the only the only competition of bars that that I can put together is the own competition I give myself at the bar every week. So <laughs> it'd be like having somebody come on and just talk in Spanish to us for a little while. <laughs> like I'm not gonna know anything you say until you tell me what score she got. <laughs> but I, I I can live with it. I can enjoy it. And uh, as long as Florida's winning, who cares, right? <laughs> Correct. And like I said, we cover every sport here on ChompTalk.com. Great writers like Caroline and great journalists, just great all-around staff over here at ChompTalk.com. And obviously this does wrap up the uh, football talk at running back. And, uh, you know, obviously we like to throw a little bit of sports out there for you folks as well at the end of our podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, running back room in 2021 is going to be interesting for the Florida Gators. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in spring practice. We'll see what happens during the year. And, uh, hey, maybe, you know, Maybe maybe you might see a Bowman on a speed sweep here or something like that. So, uh, Brian, Jake, any final thoughts on everything that we discussed today? The only thing I really want to add is I hope everybody that's listening now listens next week when we start to get into the, some of the pass catchers. Uh, we're working on hopefully having a nice guest to join us. If not, it'll be Jake again, and uh, sorry ahead of time. Uh, but, yeah, no, we're, we're glad to have Jake, too. Just <laughs> You just called Jake a uh, bad no, this guest. Is, <laughs> this is the worst. No, I have the worst possible option. Like If we have to have Jake. <laughs> this, is, this is because everyone else was busy. <laughs> I have love for you, Jake. I want you on here every time. So if that I even tried to get Dick Cheney on before I did. <laughs> Brian, you owe no, Jake. No comment. <laughs> Brian owes Jake some chicken McDougets, man. <laughs> I, do, I do need chicken. <laughs> well, all right, folks. That will wrap it up for this running back talk for the 2021 uh, I guess roster right here. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, as I said. And uh, yeah, we wrapped up a couple of uh, other sports here for you guys as well. We cover every sport at choptalk.com. And this is the Gridiron Growl Podcast, episode 31, wrapping it up here tonight on a Monday night. So we'll see what happens in these other spring practices and in these press conferences Dan Mullen holds for us every week during these spring practices. And uh, who knows what surprises may come from this team. So for Brian, for Jake, and for your boy, David Soderquist, you know what we say here on the Gridiron Growl podcast every single week in all kinds of weather. We don't just stick together, but we also keep it together. Yeah.